when I was in that place, I was convinced that it's not going to get better. It just has to be this way because it is, and, you know, it'll probably be the enemy. And I was even getting to a certain level of acceptance. People would say, that lifestyle is going to kill you. And my response would be, I wish it would hurry up. Well, thank you for joining us at Effective Heart Change, where we are passionate about being life givers in our circle of influence. We've been doing a series of testimonies walking through heart change. What does heart change look like? And today we want to welcome in Kurt. Thank you so much for joining us on Effective Heart Change. No, thanks for inviting me. Talk to me a little bit. Let's just go big picture for a moment. If you were to think about where you were versus where you are, what's the biggest thing that you feel like has changed in you? Uh, Thought patterns and um, thinking things through a little before just acting and uh, thinking of the possible outcomes of my actions. Just the accountability thing. In the addiction world, they call that play the tape. Now, let's go back, and you just very quickly said thought patterns and kind of glazed over that one. Let's go back to some of the old thought patterns. What did they look like? Cold and hard, thoughtless, um, loner, a rebel, but not really rebelling against any specific thing, just lone wolf. And that has changed. A lot of that has changed now. It's got a ways to go, but it's changed. So, so it's changing. It is. That illustrates a couple of different things. Obviously, it illustrates the struggle that heart change can be. And that's really important for people to understand because those instincts are deep and they're hard to change and they jump back up from now on, from time to time. Mm, they do. I mean, they were taught, you know, all my life from a child on up. and. That kind of hard wiring is hard to rewire. Now, it's interesting because you talked about cold and hard, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit because you're not a cold and hard person. You actually do care about people. Where do you think that cold and hard actually came from? Partially from my growing up, my parents, grandparents, and uh, partially because of the problems I caused in my life and the situations I've been responsible for that set me up to have to be that way. I love what you just said, the problems I caused. And one of the things that you and I go back and forth, you have a little bit of perfectionism running around on the inside of you. And in other words, you're quick to turn things inward. You're quick to be down on yourself. And so the language that you use there is incredibly insightful, powerful. You get down on yourself very quickly and very easily. And after you get down on yourself, that's when to try to protect yourself, you go into more of that cold, hard zone. Is that accurate? Well, the, the getting down on myself, that's 
my upbringing of don't blame anybody else. You played a part in this. So it's it's taking ownership in in my part of the blame, but just taking it to somewhat of an unhealthy level. A little bit more than somewhat. It, it's mm-hmm. taking it to a high degree of blaming self and being down on self. It's interesting, this series that we've been doing of, of testimonies, one of the things that I'm finding is like, oh, wow, we have many different types of people who are struggling. And you're a particular type. You're one of those that's highly self-critical. And then at some point, the self-critical will start to bleed over onto other people. And then after it bleeds onto other people, that's when it really gets ugly because then, it, then you feel kind of justified to, to do things. I can relate to what you just talked about, but I haven't got that all figured out yet. Okay. I, sometimes I can be judgmental and critical but while I'm being judgmental and critical, I turn it into self-hatred because I know that's not good behavior. And that's exactly, if you go back to your first statement about cold, it's cold and it's hard, you, that's not who you are. And you're not that person, but that's where you end up because as long as you're not feeling good about you, at some point, there's a self-defense mechanism that kicks in there. And once that thing kicks in, then it will slide over into, I'm, I'm seeing this thing, I'm seeing that thing. And now I'm judging this, I'm judging that, I'm moving into these kinds of zones. For you, haven't you found that that is kind of a, a warning zone of, oh, wow, when I'm starting to slide into these behaviors, it's becoming dangerous? Uh, yeah, I, I feel that warning sign coming on, but then sometimes I can turn that to self-hatred. Well, just quit behaving that way. Quit thinking this way. And that's, that's still in mind and body. It's not... And I know it needs to be in spirit first. It's interesting. In a previous testimony, we talked about the fact that there was no good reason for addiction. And frankly, that same kind of concept works with you because your brain is sharp. You're thinking through all of these things. I know better. But when this spiritual heaviness, this this self-hatred grip, this perfectionism takes over, it just takes over to such a degree that you almost feel powerless at that point. At least that's what I think you've expressed in previous times. I'm absolutely powerless. And that's where, that's where I kind of get to a stopping point. When I'm that powerless, that's when I need to turn to God. And that hasn't become a fluid thought and emotion yet. It's gotten better. What's interesting when I'm working with people and doing what I call the diagnostics, I'm helping them see and understand patterns in their lives so that, wow, if I can see this pattern and I can catch it sooner, then I can actually shut down the addiction. And so people who are very self-aware, self-hatred, that sort of stuff, it just, it blows up so fast that you've already got to see that pattern 
And the pattern for you is very much what we've already talked about. You, you start where you're probably judging self much more quickly, and, and so then you feel the need to perform, and so you'll get into a performance pattern for a while, and then you can't maintain that performance pattern, so then the critical spirit begins to stir up. Well, then I start looking at other people, and it's... By that time, then I'm getting really close. I'm getting really close to a very, very dangerous spot. But if you can see this thing sooner and you can begin to realize the self-judgments, then you've got a chance of actually getting it together and doing better. Okay, probably the first indication would be uh, like discontent, frustration, whether it be with myself or with the situations that are going on and you know i i see it at that point and i know the last thing i need to do is like turn on the news channel or something because that's going to expose me to you know let me know about more bad broken stuff. world and fallen world and it it kind of just snows ball snowballs from there i uh I'm not a real social people person, so I keep to myself. But when that, when I see my isolation, isolation increasing, then that's another red flag. And uh, then it's on to like self-hatred and anger. And if I get, let it get much past increased isolation, then it snowballs pretty quick. So you are learning a pattern. Absolutely. And if you can see it sooner, that gives you some power over the addiction that tries to come in and take over you. Yeah. At first, when I started noticing it, it gave me awareness of the patterns, but I didn't yet have the tools to stop it. I seen it coming, and I couldn't do anything but be aware of it as it ran me over. I loved what you said because I talk about spiritual flows all the time. And so you talked about getting into that place of discontent. And when I get into the place of discontent, if I turn on the news, then I'm going to see a broken world. I'm going to see something that's just kind of a mess out there. You've noticed that that has an impact on you. So if I'm already discontent, and I'm hanging around something that's spiritually similar, which would be the news, which would be world events, and it begins to stir that, then that spiritual thing begins to almost take a stronger grip on me. And once that stronger grip happens, then I start acting in ways that I didn't necessarily mean to act or even want to act. And that's, to me, that just so completely illustrates the power of the spiritual realm. Have you been able to take this concept of looking at your own spirit, where it is, in a way that that's an important tool for you and actually helps you get better? I think back to the many times I've came to you with a, with a so-called issue with someone else's behavior, and you know, you you point it straight at me. Well, where's your spirit at? Well, it's not about me. It's about this guy. Yeah, but look at yourself first. And, uh, yep. But the, the watching the news thing, 
when I'm not feeling strong and walk, my walk isn't quite perfect or quite right, the wider view I have of the world can just lead it worse. I mean, the hopelessness and the powerlessness to do anything about anything. If I'm watching the news about another country's struggle, that can be so overwhelming. And I got to narrow it down to, okay, how can I help and make a difference on Maple Street over here? To me, that highlights what I was saying. There is a sensitivity in you. There is a caring in you. There is a need to do things for people, to make a difference in the world. When you start to feel helpless, it becomes overwhelming. And out of that overwhelming feeling, to me, that's where most of your coldness, your hardness comes from. Because you do care deeply. You do want to make a difference. But many times people who have seen you would look at you and even you look at yourself and say to you, you're hard, you're uncaring. That's actually more of a compensation, if you understand what I'm saying. That's more of a compensation than it is the real you. Is it maybe part of a defense mechanism from exactly. way back to? Exactly. And, and as human beings, that's what we are. We're ego people. We want to feel good about ourselves. We need to feel good about ourselves. And so it's, it's an instinctive defense mechanism that you've actually been walking in for a lot of years. And it can, turn, it can turn performance real easy. I mean, I care about making a difference, improving anything I can. And uh, I try to utilize the gifts God has given me. I'm, I'm pretty capable at a few different things. But my spirit's got to stay right, otherwise it's just doing stuff. And don't get me wrong, if my heart is in the right place when I'm just doing good stuff, that's still an improvement from knowing I'm messing up and just barreling towards that, because that used to be me. And you talked about defense mechanism. Many times just doing stuff is one of those attempts that we make to try to make ourselves feel better. And it's not that doing stuff is right or wrong, but when the motivation is I need to do this to feel better about me and I'm trying to prove myself, invariably, if you're out there trying to prove yourself, then you're going to mess up somewhere along the line. And if you're self-critical, it just takes a very small mess up, and then all of that stuff just flares back up again of, I can't believe you made that mistake, and you fool, and all of that inward stuff. And so then the doing stuff ends up not helping me because I go right back to my self-critical tendencies. Accountability gone awry. Taking ownership when it's taken too far and in the wrong spirit. And that really fits another thing that we talk about a lot. Most of the time, people's addiction comes out of something that's actually good in them that just is taken too far. So for you to be analytical, to see things, to understand, to work through all of that, very, very good. 
I mean, that's a gift you bring to the body, but then you take it too far and you turn it inward or you turn it outward. It really doesn't matter which one when you're, when you're taking it too far and all of a sudden it becomes unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I think I need some kind of program. <laughs> you, you think so? I do. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you're, you're seeing that change. Uh, you're, you're working through it. And again, it's not been an easy change because when, when we're our own enemy and we have those habits and we're not doing it to someone else, I mean, if, when you're being that way to someone else, it's a little easier to say, okay, I've got to stop. But when we're doing it to ourselves, it's harder to step back from that and go, I've got to stop this because we think we should be beating ourselves up and telling ourselves how to do it. Yeah, it's kind of built into me subconsciously all my life of there's some kind of nobility attached to beating yourself up. It's ownership, accountability, and noble. And some kind of sick humility. And because that's your instinct, then that's just what you do. That's your go-to response. Now, let me flip back to what I call the spiritual flow, once you get into that zone, then that helps generate the hardness that you are talking about. And once you get into the hardness, then who knows where it's going to go. It, it, it can go a lot of negative places from there. What kinds of things do you do at this point to try to stay in that softer place, stop that excess, and move back spiritually to a place where you're staying in that softer place that actually is much healthier for you. It took me a long time to know that I can talk to people, and it helps. That, that was a big step for me. I mean, instinctively going, okay, I need to call this person or this person or this person because, you know, I don't take my advice because I don't take advice from a crazy person. Well, not myself. I take advice from another crazy person that puts a different perspective or something and gets that thing walked through, and then I'm okay. So connecting with people is one of the things that's made a difference. What are the other kinds of interventions, things that you're doing that are making a difference. Paying attention to my motives or agenda, why I do what I'm doing. I mean, whatever it is, whether it's volunteering or helping out somebody with, with something, I try to pay pretty close attention to, am I doing this because I'm getting something out of it? And the previous answer to my whole life was, of course I'm getting something out of it. I wouldn't be doing it. And still now it is, I get, I get a feeling of accomplishment and doing, doing something fulfilling. And maybe that's even selfish because it makes me feel good helping somebody else. But I'll take that over what my life used to be like. You're very quick to be self-critical and not give yourself any credit anywhere. <laughs> I got to stay accountable. You, you have to stay accountable, and that's good. How do you know the difference between, okay, 
this selfishness, to use your own words, is healthy, in other words, this motivation is healthy, this one over here is not healthy. How Do you have any standards that would help other people as they're listening to you begin to discern, oh, this one's healthy, this one's not healthy? Sometimes I'm not sure. Sometimes it needs to be pointed out by somebody else. I mean, that's a tough one to answer. It's more of a, a feeling that I can't put into words. And I love your answer because we, we teach you are blind to self. It's good to have people around you. It's good to go back to what you said, your first answer, which is where I'm soliciting input. I'm listening to input. That's great. Then you just said the word feeling. You know, when you're talking about the word feeling, um, what does it feel like? In other words, if you were to try to describe when it feels like this, it's not good. When it feels like this other thing, it is good. Is there any language you can put to that that helps us understand the difference between those two? It comes back to motives. Am I doing this right thing so other people will be okay with me? Or am I doing this right thing so I'll be okay with me? So a huge indicator for you goes back to the question that we emphasize a lot, which is, where's your spirit right now? When you look at that and you ask that question, first of all, do you actively ask yourself that question? And how does that play out for you? So it's been a good barometer of where I'm at if I just go outside and look around. There's a tree. Is it beautiful or is it a just stupid tree? Today, I'm okay. There's snow on the ground. What about the snow? It's beautiful. On some days, what about the snow? That's just running my whole day. It's slippery and people don't know how to drive. And Today, the snow is beautiful and I'm grateful for that. Sometimes I talk about addiction, life, people's struggles in the terms of the lens that you're wearing. And, and you, you're very much describing that. I've got dark glasses on. I've got clear glasses on. And there are days when you walk out and you've got dark glasses on and that's just how it looks. And I've been told that I wear a face that very much projects what I'm thinking at the time. <laughs> Not real excited about that. Which actually complicates things because message is powerful. So if you wear it on your face, wear it on your sleeve, so to speak, and you're putting it out there, then that's helping generate reactions coming back to you. So if I've already got dark glasses on and I've got a face that's kind of putting a growl out there, then how do I move from growl zone, from dark glass zone to a positive place? That can be a difficult step. They can. I haven't completely figured that one out yet either. Sometimes it's just talk to somebody or stop, find a quiet place, recenter, pray, and start again. What I find is people who are self-critical, analytical, 
have some of the most difficult times coming out of addiction just because we, I include myself in that, I'm, I'm very self-critical, very analytical. We have that tendency that is just so powerful, it's hard to slow that down. And in the words of Corinthians where Paul says, I don't even judge myself because I can't even see myself. Slow that down and learn to surrender to the voice of God, learn to surrender to the voices of people around us. I mean, that's part of what helps us get better. What have you done uh, that maybe helps you slow that down, helps you just bring that back into a place where, where your gift actually becomes positive and not negative? Well, I'm still learning this through the program, the awareness part. But I've gotten, at points, I've gotten awareness, too much awareness, before I had any ability to know how to process it or handle it in a productive way. I'm going to come back. You just said the word process. Until I learn to process, talk to us about what that looks like so that hopefully somebody can grab that and go, wow, there's a nugget I can get a hold of. Being aware of the red flags when they come up and slowing that, slowing it down, not a knee-jerk reaction, because anything that's impulsive and, and urgent, an urgent feeling to it, is probably has the possibility of being unhealthy. Okay, slow it down right where it's at when you get the first red flag. Just like playing the tape through for people that old, are old enough to know what a tape is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, that's one of those sayings in AA addiction recovery is play out the tape. Look at this thing. Think forward. If I respond this way, what will the outcomes be? You play the tape. And, and so slow it down. Think about it. That ends up becoming powerful. And frankly, one of the things I come back to, I use the word breathe. Just stop. Breathe. Slow it down. De-escalate it. These are all words that we say over and over again, because if I can do that just by in the stopping and the breathing, I'm beginning to change the spiritual dynamic. And once that dynamic begins to change, now I think and I feel inside of that just by slowing it down, it begins to kick in in a different zone. Do you have any experiences like that that you can share where it was starting to escalate and you, you got it slowed down, and as it slowed down, the lens, let's go back to your language or my language about your language, mm-hmm. the, the lens on your glasses changed. It changed from dark to light. It's funny in class you mentioned this morning about buying a truck. About a month ago, I bought a truck and been working on it, and that's old farm truck. Got it running good, and I went down yesterday to to get it titled and tagged, and I guess there's issues with that that might be just a long road, a lot of money, a lot of time to get that corrected. And probably for the first half hour, I allowed that to just destroy me and start leading 
you know, I was digging that hole. And I had, I had to stop, put down the shovel in your language and get a perspective that, okay, this, this isn't something that needs to ruin my day. It's a setback. It's an inconvenience. It's, it's not what I wanted to happen in my time, but it is what it is. But it's nothing that needs to be handled immediately right now. It's that urgency thing I was, I was telling you about. If I have a sense of urgency, I need to stop right then and reevaluate perspective, maybe even talk to another person. You're learning a new lifestyle. A little bit. And that's one of the messages I really wanted to get across today because a lot of times with testimonies, you know, you, basically people say, well, what's a testimony? Well, t simple version of a testimony is I was, God showed up, I am, and it's, it's this clean version of everything was fixed. It was fixed in a moment, and now God is so good, and I'm so much better. Well, frankly, that's realistic only a fraction of, of the time, and even when it is realistic, there were more decisions involved. There was more stuff involved than that. You're finding that it's not that simple. It is a lifestyle. It has been a fight, but that's okay. I guess my one thing I would have to throw out to anybody that's, that's in rough shape is when I was in that place, I was convinced that it's not going to get better. It just has to be this way because it is, and, you know, it'll probably be the enemy. And I was even getting to a certain level of acceptance. People would say, that lifestyle is going to kill you. And my response would be, I wish it would hurry up. So when I see somebody that, you know, is obviously in, in a bad way, my only thing is, does not have to be this way. It's going to take work, but it doesn't have to keep going this way. It doesn't. That's a powerful change. I want to commend you for that. I mean, you've, you've come, and, and part of that's because you've had success. Part of that's because you're seeing that. But the other part, which to balance this back off, and this is where we are right now, is just understanding that how much work it is, how much it is one decision at a time, one day at a time, noticing things, seeing them from a different perspective, and it is hard work. A conscious effort, a little bit of self-awareness. I'm still blind to me, but I do have a level of awareness that I can tap into. And... Uh, I never thought it could be this instead of what it was. And when I was in in heavy alcoholism, I had the curse of being a uh, high achieving, high functioning alcoholic. That can fool a person into thinking they have some control. They have some power over this. It still got. It still had me as much as it has anybody out there. 
and it just prolonged the process. So anybody that's functioning at a high level as far as a license, a job, you know, everything like that, that's still, still fighting the fight, my heart goes out to him because it can, it can delay things. Because I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Yeah, but uh, you also got a big problem. Sometimes I refer to alcoholism addiction as a gift in that it brings us to that point to where we really understand our need for God. We understand our need for others. You've come to understand that, and now that you're drinking that in, you've changed from a place of hopelessness to a place where you know this thing can get better. It is getting better. I'm walking through the steps. And that's incredibly powerful, and I love that about your testimony, your message to, to our listeners. It can get better, and it does get better, and it is a lot of work. And I've, I know several people through different uh, substance abuse programs that look at it as addiction and alcoholism is a gift, an opportunity that not everybody's given to actually do the work to know themselves and be aware of their actions. And I think it opens a person to a different, deeper level of community, you know, connection with people. The normal people in this world that's never struggled with addiction or alcoholism, they've never had to look at deeper things. And in the language of your testimony, what you've brought, they just continue in that performance zone. They, they continue in their own mind, being analytical, being critical, doing all of those kinds of things, never understanding that that's unhealthy. But once you, quote unquote, got caught, slammed into your addiction, hit a point where you weren't able to go forward anymore, that brought you back. You started looking at these things, and you changed lifestyle. And you're loving your new lifestyle, I hope? Most of the time, yeah. It's a little better than it was? Oh, it's tons better. Never thought for a minute it could be this. After just two years ago, it was not this. Well, that's pretty exciting. And again, your message is it's hard. And it's one day at a time, one step at a time. I love having all kinds of different messages, testimonies on here so that everybody out there at some point, I'm hoping, through these messages is going to be able to grab a hold of some things and take a hold of some things so that, wow, this is what it takes for me to get better. I can take that and I can use that. And I think you've brought some great stuff today. So thank you for being here and being a part of this. That's all God, because I couldn't do this without him doing it for me. I'm kind of just along for the ride. I just got to do the legwork. But I was glad to be invited. Well, you've done a great thing, and, and I, I thank you. I, I really respect you. I respect the fight that you're fighting and the effort you're putting in, because truly, there, there's different levels and degrees. And the people who are turned inward, the way you turned inward, that's one of the hardest fights out there, and, and you're fighting that fight. 
I got good help, though. Well, thank you for being with us, and thank you for joining us. We are passionate about being life givers in our circle of influence. I believe that as you listen to these testimonies, you can learn things, you can grow, share them with other people. We thank you for joining us and being a part of that work of being life givers in our circle of influence.